You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what's up, World Wide Web? This is Alex. And this is Frank. And this is Cole. And we're filmmakers. And we're drinking bourbon. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers everybody. Cole. Cheers. I can't cheers you because you're not actually here, but uh, where are you? I'm in Los Angeles, in Santa Monica to be specific. Ooh, sunny LA. It's a little early there, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry? It's a little early there, huh? Yeah, a little early, but not not too early to have a drink. It is Friday. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's ever too early to have a drink. Yeah, That's my freelancer's excuse. I'm like, well, it's Friday. (laughs) Sure. That's funny. So freelancer, so Cole, welcome to the show, first off. Thank you for having me. And before we even get into who you are, are you're, you are having a drink. What are you drinking? I am drinking a uh, Booker's small batch bourbon. Ooh. Um, I just went to the store and did a little research, and I was like looking at like Woodfords and Bullets, which I've had before, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of just too plain. This sounds like a great excuse to get a really nice bottle. So Ooh. I'm drinking something that's 63.7% alcohol. I have poured it over ice, so I am opening it up a little bit. Uh, so I'm excited to give this guy a little taste as All the right. first thing going in my mouth this morning. That is fantastic. Now, now I wish you were here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would love to share this bottle with, with you guys. Uh, it would be great. Mm. What are you guys drinking? Well, oh, you know, only the best here. Uh, Frank, <laughs> mm-hmm. Frank bought us Evan Williams. <laughs> Okay, all right. Hey, still bourbon, right? Uh, yeah, we uh, our, our cabinet, our supplies running a little low. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's not a bad I guess it's a good thing kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Means you've been enjoying yourselves, right? We, we've been going we've been busy here at the show. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So, cold drinking bookers. Uh oh, this is fantastic too, by the way. Is it? Any uh, mm-hmm. it, what's the breakdown? Any notes? Anything you're realizing? It's very it's really it has it's like really caramelly. Mm. So it's really almost sweet. Um, I drank, I, I mean, I still drink scotch. I've been into scotch for a few years. Uh, so I've had like a kind of tastings and sort of like have tried to develop my nose and my palate and so on and so forth. But I haven't really ventured too far into bourbon. Yeah. But I mean, this is quickly changing my mind. It's pretty dang good. Yeah. It's what I say all the time on the show. I haven't had a bad bourbon yet. They're they're all yeah. different, but they're all great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All when right. I started on the show, I hadn't had bourbon and like I'm a huge bourbon fan now. A snob, if you will. Yeah. You're, you're a snob. <laughs> yeah, good. That's the way to do it. So, Cole, who in uh-huh. the hell are you? I am a filmmaker uh, originally from Vancouver, Canada, now living in Los Angeles for 12 years now. Um, I do a lot of short-form content, so music videos, commercials. I do branded content. I've done some doc stuff, um, and that's where I, that's where I am. So, like, local commercials or something bigger than that? Oh, some bigger stuff, yeah. And I've done some, like, broadcast national stuff, but mostly the biggest work to date is in the music industry. So I work a lot with female pop stars. Hmm. So I've directed uh, music videos and, like, tour content for Pink and Katy Perry. I've done stuff for, like, Cher and Britney and and Tinashe and a ton of just female pop stars is kind of my thing. And then that segued into beauty stuff so then i started working for covergirl and pantene and revlon and alme so i do all this beauty stuff because it's sort of like once you get that stamp of approval that you can shoot women well 
oh, then yeah. then you can kind of just play in that arena and you'll get hired for all sorts of stuff within oh. that vein, which is great for me. I, I love working, you know. Totally, but that's a, yeah, that's an art form shooting, you know, shooting women and making them look good. It, it is, it is, and it's and it's a it's one of those things. It's it's a little bit like a car commercial, though I think not as strict, where it's like you're not allowed to shoot a car commercial unless you've shot a car commercial. You know what I mean? Totally. So it's a bit beauty's a bit the same. You know, it's like they they won't let you shoot you know, A-list talent unless you've already shot A-list talent. And so it's like, you just have to find a way to like weasel in once. <laughs> and then once you sort of like, oh, I shot pink, then they're like, oh, you can shoot Katy Perry. And oh, you can shoot this person. Oh, you can shoot everybody now. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. Then it just snowballs from there. Yeah, which has been great because it's been keeping me working for 10 years. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Hey, where did you, where did you start? So you're from Canada. How did you yeah. start in the industry? Did you start off as a director right out of film school or what was your path? Well, so I didn't actually go to film school. I, I have a degree in psychology. I went to the University of British Columbia. But it was in my schooling where I started to develop my, not my passion for film, that was sort of always there, but my, my skill set as a filmmaker. I bought a DVX-100A and I got a, I got a Mac a computer and I just started shooting stuff with friends and learning how to edit. And I used my time getting my degree uh, to learn how to be a filmmaker, basically. So all my spare time was going towards that. Um, and that got me started. And then as I was graduating, I sort of looked at my options and I said, okay, I can stay here in Vancouver and try to do stuff or I can move to LA and try to do everything. And so at that point, the way the industry was working, I was like, I have to be in LA because there was no YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. There was none of that stuff back then. It was like the whole industry was in LA. So I, it, that drew me there. And it wasn't a question really. It's had to go. Do you think your psychology background has helped you in the directing field? Absolutely. I, th I think in two fundamental ways. So um, it's interesting because at first blush, you're just like, oh, you're not using that at all. <laughs> right? You're like psychology. It's like you're not I'm not. I, and in some sense, I'm not using my degree. Right. But the two things that I learned in uh, getting my, my Bachelor of Arts degree is uh, obviously the discipline of psychology is all about how people perceive things. And so for me, that was really tangible because we studied how people understand things, how people feel about things, what people pay attention to when they're perceiving, interacting and observing people like body language, like all these sort of nuanced things mm -hmm. and the sort of mechanics and the scientific research behind them uh, to understand how people work, you know. And so that on a fundamental level, I think, has really affected my directing. And I lean on knowledge that I've gained through my degree to inform some decisions that I'm making on set, which I think is really cool and interesting. So, sure. you know, that's been really helpful. And then the other thing is just work ethic. Like out of high school, if I moved to LA, I just would have like effed off and like partied <laughs> as a kid and like done, you know, like, like get involved in the whole young Hollywood scene, you know, try to just yeah. be cool. But because I went through college, I was a little older and I really like learned how to work hard. You know, when you're doing term papers and studying for finals, it's like, that's no joke, you know what I mean? And so I realized how hard I could work uh, going through that process, and then I definitely applied that when I moved to L.A. Totally. Would you say the psychology helps with uh, working with talent as well? Like, is there anything you pull from that? I, I, I think so. I mean, it's so hard to say because it's the, like the whole psychology background, it's not like th these concrete, tangible things where I'm like, oh, I do this because I learned that. It, it subtly kind of informs everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and so working with talent, though, while I do think it, I, I lean on some of my knowledge that I've gained, that in itself is like a very unique type of skill set uh, to work with like A-list talent. Um, yeah. Not that they're like different people, but like production functions a certain way and their time is just super valuable and super crazy. And it's just like, 
you have to quickly develop a good rapport with them. Um, and so I do lean on, on psychology type things, but I also think that's a skill set that just develops over time. Uh, you know, the more you do it, the more you get it and understand how to do it. Totally. So with yeah. your, with your DVX 100, what did you, uh-huh. what were you shooting while you're taking your psychology classes? Um, literally just like whatever dumb stuff I could convince my friends to do, you know? <laughs> so literally the very short, the first short film I did was like me and my buddy just went outside and there's like this path by my house where I grew up and people jog along it. And so we got him this like super retro track suit and he would, we would film him straight. Uh, he's, he's a dancer and he's super comedic in his physicality. So he would like do all these funny stretches on this path and like warm up. And then when a little unsuspecting jogger would run by, he'd like prep like he's running a hundred meter dash <laughs> and like line up like at the starting thing. And like they would just be running like, what is this guy doing? And as soon as the person lined up with him, he'd take off running <laughs> and like just like race them. Uh. And he'd be like, what the hell? So like that was literally the first short film that we shot and we cut a little story together. And then I ended up developing that into like a short film, like a 20 minute short film which i directed Whoa. um but uh, it was called fitness freddy it's it's the most ridiculous thing ever but like that was the type of thing we, it was just me and my buddies just going out being like what kind of dumb stuff we can we can film that's incredible so you've always kind of had that mindset though of like you're a creator you're you know always kind of developing things yeah absolutely you know the the thing for me was like i i never the reason why I never wanted to be an actor was because I never wanted to let my my career's fate be in someone else's hands, yeah. you know? And so with filmmaking, I was like, well, I can do this. I can, like, go out and make something with friends or, like, I, I'm in, more in control of, like, what I can actually tangibly do. Mm-hmm. And so for that, I like that, you know what I mean? I like the idea of, like, going out and doing it myself. And so I really applied that. To, to my career as a whole, you know, and when you start, it's literally like I'm doing sound and lighting and, you know, it's a one man band kind of a deal. Um, but that that has been a, a saving grace in a sense, because I think I'd go crazy if I was like <laughs> waiting for someone to just give me a job, you know? Oh, totally. I, I know the feeling because, I, I, you know, I'm a freelancer as well. So it's always I'm dependent on directors, producers to call me. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway. What, was there one project, like one specific project you remember where you're like, that, that was the one that kicked it all off? That's, that's the big one that got the ball rolling? I think the stuff I did with Pink in 2009. So I did these, uh, you know, I come from a dance background. I used to dance. And so I know a bunch of dancers. And when I first moved to L.A., that was like the easiest slash coolest thing I could shoot because I was friends with like literally some of the best dancers in the world and had all this access. So I was like, oh, let's just go shoot cool dance stuff. So that was like made a lot of sense and was easy to sort of set myself apart. And like not that many people were making content back then. So it was sort of like it was helpful. Right. In that in that regard. Um, And then so from there, we shot these dance videos for Miley Cyrus in 2008 at like the height of her Hannah Montana fame. Uh, we did these online dance videos where it's like Miley's crew against the crew of Step Up 2. Like back in the day, we shot these fun dance videos. It was really cool and a good experience. I, I don't think that that necessarily led to anything big, but that was like my first time working with a celebrity. The next sort of thing that I did was one of the choreographers from Miley ended up choreographing Pink's tour. And she asked me to come film for her for free, just like some behind the scenes, get some footage of her working that job because that was like a really big job for her. Um, And so I showed up for free to shoot rehearsal and I met Pink, whose name is Alicia, and I met the tour director 
Um, and they were like, oh, we should bring this guy on to like film, you know, a couple days rehearsal. So that was like the very first thing. Uh, and then from there, they're like, oh, we need to direct. We need this uh, opening video for the tour directed and we need the closing video directed. And oh, he should come to Europe and film some stuff. And oh, we should do a documentary of her life on tour. And like all this stuff snowballed to for me working with Pink for, you know, almost 10 years based off me showing up for free for my friend one day. <laughs> so that was like the impetus of like That's everything, basically. And then from that, you know, went on from Pink did Katy Perry and then from both of them did Cover Girl. So, like, it really kind of boils down to that. If I had to label it, I mean, of course, there's sure. a million other little moments, right? Oh, totally. But if I had to label it it, it, it would be that for sure. That's incredible. Yeah, we always bring up this argument. Like, and we, you know, everybody that's on the show is, when do you stop doing things for free? Or do you do jobs for free? And what's, you know, there's definite benefits. Yeah. <laughs> to where you oh, yeah. I, I, still, I still do jobs for free. Yeah, I, I try to so do I. one thing a year for free uh, always. You know what I mean? Like, just because of that. I mean, that is a pure example of, like, the things that can come from it. But I, I, I try to m- never base my decisions on what jobs I do or don't do based off money. Like, yeah. I, that's never – I never want that to be a factor. And thankfully, I've been in a position to not have that be a factor. But I still always try to direct something for free, like a cool project, a music video for a friend, anything. You know what I mean? So it's just good – like, work procures work. So the more work you can do, the better. That's a good mindset to have. Yeah. Yeah. Good work, Kelly. Well, uh, what are you working on currently? Like, what's the what's the new hot thing? The new hot thing is I have a um, commercial PSA thing I shot for Garnier. So, so Mandy Moore uh, was is is a Garnier spokesperson, ambassador, or whatever. And so we shot a, a spot. We did a ninety, a thirty, and a fifteen about recycling beauty products. So it was cool. It was a tie-in in between Garnier. And this organization called Do Something, which is a nonprofit about recycling, and they're focusing on beauty products because a lot of people, and women especially, they use a ton of beauty products, they just throw them in the trash, Mm. Um, but you can recycle all those products. So this is like a PSA to bring awareness to that. Um, So that's cool, like, to do something that's, like, has social value and then also to add, you know, Mandy Moore and Garnier as credits on on my resume and to have some beautifully shot stuff that serves a purpose. So I'm super excited about that. We're gonna color, we're supposed to color this weekend, but... It actually got pushed, so we're kind of like just like <laughs> waiting for uh, for the agency to tell us when we're locked picture and when we can go color. So I'm a bit on hold for that. Uh-huh. But that's the focus right now. And then next weekend, I, I direct this thing called the Glambot, which is a motion control rig uh, that's on the red carpet. And so we're, we have a booth set up uh, for the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. And so I'll be doing that. That airs on Ease Live from the Red Carpet show. And it's like this super cool, fun, epic yeah. slow-mo on the red carpet that'll be a blast yeah. oh yeah i'm i'm super excited we did i've been doing them for maybe two years now i just was in new york doing the grammys this past a couple weeks ago um and so i'm super stoked for the oscars of course it's always it's always fun that's exciting the uh the guys that record our podcast here at gwen sound they were at the grammys oh they were just recently, oh cool yeah I'm sure you ran oh, into sweet. Them. i'm sure not oh yeah definitely <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> best friends yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, that's a, so okay. So you got all these awesome projects. You've been doing awesome projects for a while. Is there a, a normal, like standard crew that you work with? How did you start working with those people? Kind of talk about the your team. Yeah. So I mean, it all starts. You know, it's like the director producer relationship is at the foundation of 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 everything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I was fortunate enough to meet a couple good producers when I was younger in my career, and I've worked with them 
pretty much ever since. So this guy, Joel Viertel, um, he came from, he, he was a director. I mean, he is a director, but he's just, he's a fantastic producer and editor, just like this all around, just genius guy on all levels. Uh, so he started producing my stuff early and then he brought in this guy, Doug Matica to line produce. Joel started producing films with George Nolfi, who directed, who wrote Ocean's 12, 12 and 13, I think. Wow. Uh, who directed the, wrote and directed the Adjustment Bureau and recently The Birth of Dragon, I think, the Bruce Lee story that just oh, came yeah, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Joel's producer on all those. So I'm like, ah, you don't have time to produce <laughs> my music videos anymore. But I've been working with Doug ever since. And like, you know, these relationships started you know, eight, nine years ago. And like those two have produced the vast majority of the stuff that I, that I direct. Obviously there's times where, um, I'm not in a position to bring in a producer. I get hired as a director. And so I'm working with whoever's on, but it's like, usually often I, I, I can bring them in. Um, and then, so they are like a bit of a security blanket oh, totally. because I know that everything is going to be handled and like, it's all going to get taken care of. And I don't have to worry about stuff. Um, cause I also sort of EP a lot of my stuff. I have a, my own production company that I run that basically just runs production for when I direct. Uh -huh. And so often I'm, I'm like juggling like the, you know, the above the line and like top level discussions with client and agency or whoever on budgets. And then I'm also doing creative and then the producer and line producer handling, handling the logistics. So my mind is like all over the place often. And I'm more comfortable there, you know, being aware of all that stuff. It's kind of a scary thought when I'm directing and like, I don't know anything about the budget. <laughs> I don't know like yeah. what the deal is that that is more uneasy for me, even though that might be more sort of typical, a uh, kind of a role, but I like, you know, it just has, as when I started directing, I was involved in all aspects from holding the boom as, you know, cameras <laughs> on a tripod, you know, I like to be more involved in everything and really know what's going on on all levels. And I feel like I can be a more effective and efficient director having that knowledge. Mm -hmm. So those two guys really, really help. And then there's a handful of DPs that I've just developed relationships with, uh, you know, over the years that I love working with and I love using. Yeah. I think that having a crew that you work well with on a personal level is just so, is so valuable. You know, having a, a bad apple on set, it just ruins the experience for everybody. And it's not worth it to me. I, I, I want to have a good time. I want to make cool stuff and I want to enjoy my the process. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so I'd, I always say I would take someone who's sort of a little less talented but like hardworking and positive attitude than someone who's like this stellar talented person who's kind of like a dipshit, you know, yeah. and like thinks that they're, they're hot shit or whatever. Um, so, you know, that it just that makes a better environment for me and I prefer it. Dude, I'm with you. Yeah. 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 Also, can we cuss on this podcast? Because I just sure. did twice. You can do okay, whatever great. you want. Yeah. Awesome. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I just let it we, rip, All we got to do is put a red E on it on iTunes and we're good. Sure. Yeah. Great. That means that means it's a good podcast with the E on it. So yeah, exactly. I'll yeah. continue to curse. Yeah. All right. Go for it. Um, when you're talking about working with different DPs, like what's your, what's your relationship with them like um, as far as like since you say you kind of like to have your fingers and everything and, and kind of control that process, I'm kind of curious what your relationship with them is and if you didn't know like alex is a dp and he does music nah, videos i'm a podcast host frank <laughs> uh does music videos and also uh, -huh. uh like beauty spots and stuff too like so oh cool yeah, right so what, what's the relationship like yeah as far as creatively are you talking about lighting frank creative not not really like the technical stuff more yeah. like the overall the top like, level. vision yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I, I feel like, you know, when, when I started in my career, I, I didn't go through film school. So I had this 
not so much insecurity, but definitely a concern that I didn't understand fundamental things, especially about like lighting, you know what I mean? Mm. And so I would often defer to the DP a lot to be like, well, like, what do you think we should do? You know what I mean? And like, I knew like what I liked and I knew kind of generally what I wanted, but like, as far as like technical aspects for like, you know, like how much like ratios of fills or, or even like what lights we should use or like what a book light is or all these things. I'm like, I had no idea. So I would, I would kind of by default be quite collaborative, you know? Um, but, but I, I, I also realized that people on set, like heads of departments, they, they know their craft so well, they know things I don't know. So it's like, I, I want to harness that talent and ability and knowledge to the production. So I, I'm generally quite collaborative. I want to understand their ideas. I want to get their take on things. Um, and I, and I want everybody to contribute their best ideas because that's ultimately going to make a better production. And, and not only just tangibly the end product, but like People again have a better time if they're contributing if they're if they're being a part of the whole thing. Totally. It's been um yeah, and it's been a bit. Of, it's been the lesson has been more so in learning how to stand up for what I want creatively. Because sometimes you get in positions where it 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 what you have in your mind becomes like you question it because they have a very specific idea and like oh it'd be really cool if you we would do this mm-hmm. and you're thinking like uh, is that what I want? And there's been times where I've deferred to them. And we do it. I'm like, ah, this isn't really like what I want. So yeah. it's it's been a lesson for me to like stand up for what I think and feel and 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 understanding that I, I could be right too, even though this is their craft or whatever we're discussing is more sure. their craft. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all a balance. Um, but I yeah, you know, to be specific with the DP, um, I don't I don't know, you know, I, I think it's it's always just a discussion. You just talk about ideas and you talk about what would be best and what wouldn't. And yeah. I definitely just try to have it have it be a discussion and us collaboratively figure out what what works in the most effective way. Sign of a good leader. Hey, yeah. <laughs> trying um, to trying to be, you know. Do you uh so with your, you know, with your work ethic and the way you came up and everything, do you do a lot of work in pre-production to kind of nail down look, style, all that stuff? I'm sure for the bigger budget ones you have to, but how much time do you allow for flexibility and kind of free flow? on the production. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, for the bigger stuff you you always have to, which is kind of a little bit for better or worse, you know? It's I mean, I I always like to be prepared and organized going in, but again, just like you said, it's like you don't want to be so rigid where you where you're cutting yourself off from the opportunities to find those bits of magic because they always happen and they're always the best shots of the whole shoot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, it's it's um I don't know, you know, I I I try to have a cohesive plan. I, I always shot list. I don't always storyboard, but I always shot list. I always sort of like run the shoot through, you know, just with the producer, with the DP and like get everybody on the same page for the plan for the day. But I, I try not to stack things too tight. I, I like to give ourselves a little bit of time to have it be refined and have it look the way we want it to look. And then if we do sort of like come up with an idea on the spot, which we inevitably will, we have time to do that. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, we don't always have those luxuries, of course, but, you know, going in in the perfect instance, I will try to schedule it just not absolutely insane so we can we can explore those things when when we're inspired on set. That's smart. Here's a uh, very typical interview question for you. Where do you mm-hmm. uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, well, so for me, you know, I 
my big goal is to move into long form. But that's always been the goal is, you know, features really uh, TV and, and, and any kind of long form stuff. So I've been writing a bunch the past, you know, two years. And, and you know, I've worked in longer form. I was a producer on a docuseries with a for a year and a half that they ended up canning, which was a good experience, but, you know, didn't quite get there. Um, so, you know, for me in five years, it's definitely long form. Um, a feature really is kind of the goal. So if I were to say, be doing that. Any specific genre? Um, no, though the thing I'm writing is sort of like a tragic kind of love story, uh, a bit Romeo and Juliet esque. Mm. Um, and so for, you know, I, I think that I know my body of work as a, a colorful, bright, you know, female-empowered, beautiful, and sort of peppered with humor. That's, like, my style. I'm, like, movement-based, you know? So I know for me, for my first feature, I can't go write a film like Zodiac and be like, this is what I'm (laughs) going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I understand the the logistical restrictions. Not restrictions, but, like, I know where it's going to be easier for me to do my first film. And if I do ultimately want to do something like Zodiac, like, that's, like, later down the line. But, like, to get in the door... Sure. I know what I know what my reel stands for. I know what people are gonna feel confident giving me money for, and so I'm 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 considering that in my writing. Mm. You know, because nice. I want to make a feature, and it's like I want to actually make this happen. And so all these factors come to play because you're like, really, you're like, okay, someone's gonna give me anywhere from two hundred thousand to two million or whatever. Like they need to have confidence that I can actually execute this, and I know. Sure. If I send them my reel, it's gonna they're gonna think a certain way about it. And if if the project is at least in line with that somewhat, they're like, Oh yeah, this guy can do that. He's done it already, you know? Which is kind of how we've discussed before how Hollywood works. <laughs> and I think the uh strong female lead would be a much easier sell these days. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I'm I'm uh you know, multi ethnic, I'm biracial, and I think that, you know, that that's a topic that is coming more into play these days and just with proper representation of everybody. And so I think that I'm, these are all topics that a, I'm interested in, but B are becoming more prevalent in film and especially in independent films. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand all of these facets and like use them to my advantage to make a movie, to be honest, oh, totally. you know, that's awesome, man. So outside of work, I mean, do you ever take time off? Do you ever just like sit back and go, you know what? I'm gonna take the weekend off and I'm going to go X kayak or uh, rollerblader or whatever yeah yeah definitely i mean i i i recently moved to the beach. well like two years ago and i moved to the beach and i'm an avid surfer so i i try to surf in mornings it's basically my schedule for the past year is that if there's waves in the morning i'm surfing and if there's not i'm writing that's kind of like the two ah. things so 7 a.m i'm in the water or i'm at my computer and i'm writing so that's been my big thing um but i've really been trying to find that balance i think that's been a topic for for me for a number of years but i've Gotten to the point where like I'm confident in my career, it's it's established. I, I thankfully I keep working. And you know, there's obviously times where it's like I'm busting my ass, and there's moments where I'm just like, why am I working so hard? It's just like <laughs> I just work to work again, and then like this is great, I love working, but I'm just like I'm making money and like and then I just work more, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so this past year I really tried to make it a priority to do some of the things that I wanted to do. So I took like a month off in August this past year and I traveled I went to Bali for a week and a half and I was in Vietnam for two weeks and basically took the whole month off and just traveled and shot photos and shot some video and 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 use that as like just a reset to kind of just take a step back and and then 
you know, when I return to LA, I'm, I'm more invigorated to get started. Cause it's like when you're grinding every single day, you get, you, whether you realize it or not, you get burnt out and you're just not as effective. Oh you know yeah. What I mean? But inevitably those travel experiences will influence work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You'll pull from those and be able to be like, Oh, okay. I saw this awesome color or fashion or whatever in Bali. And I want to totally. pull it in. Totally. That's why I'm putting them as business expenses. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're a smart man. So, yeah. Um, but but I, I, I totally agree. So, you know, and especially like thankfully, you know, in this career path is like as a director, it's like you're consuming human experience to relate it through film or video. And it's like the more I can educate myself on human experience, the better. So it's like there's value in travel. There's value in, in doing all the things that you do except for sitting home and doing nothing though i guess you could look at that at some if you're writing a depressive thing then maybe that might yeah stay inside for two weeks and see how you feel just don't but, go um, full zodiac and go that route with human you know don't, yeah yeah, yeah that, that's not really my goal but mm-hmm. you know i i i think that you know that's a it, it, i'm so i'm so concerned with being efficient and productive all the time it's sometimes hard for me to take a break and even if i can argue that oh it's life experience for me to go travel you know, I don't know if I'm really finding a balance. It's like, am yeah. I really finding a balance because I think I'm working or am I actually taking a break? Yeah. Regardless, the trip was amazing and I loved it. So like at some point, who cares? Just, oh, <laughs> just don't work so hard. And speaking of that, I was on your I was on your site. And I was going to call you out for saying that you took some time off work because you you made like little little video series <laughs> and stuff about your travel. So you were working. Uh. I, I, I did. Yeah, I was. I was. And it's and it's interesting, too, because. You know, before I started getting jobs as a director, I, I would just make videos. Like, you know, like I said, me and my friends would just go out. And there was a number of times, you know, growing up when I'm 21, 22, 23, 24, like young age, like, you know, very interested. I mean, I'm still interested in girls, but, you know, that's a very strong topic at that age. And like going out drinking and partying, you know, Fridays night, Saturday night, I'd be at home on my computer, like editing stuff. You know, <laughs> friends were going out and I'd be like, what do I want to do? I'm like, no, I want to edit this thing we shot together because this is awesome. Nice. So I've always sort of like kept this idea of like being creative for fun. And it's one of those things where like, you know, I still don't feel like I'm working sometimes even when I'm on a job or whatever, because it's like I still love just making stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the, the point of that is saying, you know, I... I have gotten back to that recently in trying to just make more content. And so shooting that kind of stuff, it's, it's a lot of fun for me because I'm like, I love making cool stuff. And this is a cool way to like showcase, keep a record of my trip and like showcase some of my talents as I'm doing fun stuff. So that's been a goal this past year. And that was also a a reason why I was like, okay, I can go travel. I can make some cool videos out of it. And like, why not? You know, do you consider for, I'm, I'm kind of similar in the way where Mm -hmm. I'm always, doing something like i'm always putting something on my plate inevitably Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um do you find that like doing these videos doesn't feel like work to you not only because you enjoy it of course but also because like nobody's telling you have to do the videos yeah absolutely and and that absolutely and i think that that's a huge appeal for me wanting to do them because it's literally like i can do whatever i want i can cut it however i want i can show as much or as little as, as as i want and I'm I'm truly at the helm of crafting that story. So that I really, really like. And that feeling of like that complete freedom when it comes to creating videos is is what it was like when I was making stuff when I was younger. So I like getting back to that creative freedom and that feels feels nice and feels cool. Um and, and I think that more more jobs are actually coming out like that. Um and so I did this thing for Mercedes this past fall 
where I have this, uh, I have a vintage Mercedes truck, like a two-door G-Wagon from nice. the 90s. Um, and so I go off-roading and I do like fun trips with that. And so they reached out to me on Instagram and they're like, hey, you know, we saw you have a cool truck. Uh, you know, we want to do some stories with owners that are into cool stuff. And so we started, I started working with the ad agency in Berlin about doing a sort of like lifestyle featurette on myself and the truck. And it was like, literally they paid me to go out and just make a video doing cool shit with the truck and then service them the stuff. And they push it all through their Instagram and and there's, Uh it's all on the rebranding for the new G wagon. And so I was like, this is the best job ever. Like I literally got to go do, (laughs) yeah, it's like, I was going to go camping up the coast of California anyways. I was going to shoot it anyways. And now you're paying me to like put it on your socials that have like millions of followers. Like, yeah, I'm, wow. I'm into this job. You know what I mean? That's incredible. And so, yeah, that, that was like a really cool, I mean, for like a global brand like Mercedes that I, I already love because I have one of their trucks and I'm going on an adventure and I'm filming it as I normally would. I'm like, this is like the dream job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I've been really trying to push socials lately because the more time I when I do it, there's always these tangible responses that are pretty immediate. And that was a part of the reason of going to Bali and Vietnam and filming it and like making content and just getting back to how I felt about making content when I was younger, but also now with this huge opportunity to like get legitimate good jobs sure. doing the fun shit I used to do, which is like, I'm like, oh, I like this direction that things are going in, yeah. you know? Oh, and like, and like with beauty, cars, and you were saying it, are very specific and, you know, you show that you can shoot Absolutely. cars. Boom. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if someone wants to hire me for a car commercial now because of this Mercedes yeah. vlog I did, let's do it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So what's the, uh, you know, one of the things that separates a few different types of directors are the technical side of things, but then even more specifically post. Like, mm-hmm. do you edit your own work? How much involvement do you have in the post side? Yeah, sure. Apart yeah, from yeah. the so, vlogs and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, um, yeah. So um, I used to edit all my own stuff. I started as an editor because that was what I could get jobs as at, when I first moved to LA. You know, no one would hire me as a director because I hadn't really directed anything. But I'd edited a bunch of stuff and that just was more a more tangible skill that was in demand. So I started cutting people's like dance reels and like dance videos and choreography samples and all sorts of stuff. And so when I started getting jobs as a director, obviously the budgets are tiny. I had to edit them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, no, there's no money to, I'm like barely getting paid as a director. There's no money to, to, you know, hire an editor. So I was editing all my stuff for the first like five years. Uh, and then as budgets got a little bit better, you know, it came to the point where, you know, let's say there was a thousand dollars to edit the thing. And I was like, okay, I could take that money and edit this and tie my time up for two weeks, three weeks or four weeks or whatever. Or I could pay someone to do that and use that time to try to get another job directing. You know what I mean? Totally. And so at that point, I was like, okay, it's better for me to free up my time to focus on the next job than to like tie myself up for two weeks sitting at my desk editing. Um, And so at that position, I was like, okay, I'm going to just hire editors and just start working with them, you know, and then I'm going to try to get my own work. And so for that, it was a lot better because I was like, well, I can still like decide what to do i just tell them what to do you know and i just don't have to sit there and like go through all the dailies and selects and like do the rough cuts so it's it's far better i think in my opinion to not have to cut your own stuff having that knowledge as an editor has really helped me as a director because on set it's like i'm cutting already you know what i mean i know what we have i know what we don't need i know what the coverage is and that has been very 
beneficial on a number of sets where we've made our day because I've been able to cut stuff that I know I don't need. So that's been a really a really good added benefit, having that knowledge as an editor and having that mindset on set. Um, and I even noticed it a lot more being on other people's sets who don't edit. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys don't need all this stuff. Like, why are you getting all this coverage? You're wasting hours of time. But Safety. I mean, yeah, that's what yeah totally. So <laughs> well, there's like always a balance. The DP thing, like I, like I was asking about earlier, you know, same thing applies there. If you know that there's something easy that you can fix later in the grade and it's going to cause you to not make your day because you need to set a 20 foot solid or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't have to do it. You know, totally. Like, there, there's the, the give and take and having the knowledge of the post process really does help. Absolutely. And I, and I extend that to every single department. I really feel like the more I know about wardrobe, makeup, props, you know, like everything on set, the more I have a deeper fundamental understanding of it, the more efficient I can not only communicate with that head of the department, but just like be informed on my decisions. You yeah. know what I mean? When we're talking about color palettes for wardrobe, you're like, you need to learn about that. But then if you know about it, then it's like you can make those decisions. You can just be informed and like they can happen a lot faster and everybody gets corralled along a lot more efficiently. And I think that really helps. Totally. I, I would agree. And I, I do appreciate that you are stepping into these bigger projects and you still have this mindset because um, a lot of people I think would like narrow their fo- focus and just like I'm just going to direct. It doesn't matter yeah, what the other people just do. Just hand like, it off later. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think what you're doing is valuable, and especially for like the people who aren't going to be at your level for quite some time. Like that mm-hmm. skill's super valuable for people because yeah, they're working with much much smaller crews and stuff. Totally, and I think you know, really, even at the top level, like budgets are changing, and the 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 model of how production has run historically is is really changing. You know, like the budgets are getting smaller, and people just want smaller crews and to be more efficient, even. Like top level stuff, and the benefit is a lot of a lot of productions or a lot of companies are going like direct, like outside of an agency. They'll have an in-house marketing person, and then they're funding these these jobs outside of an agency, and they want sort of a more cohesive crew that's more efficient because they're all trying to make more content. So I think that keeping that mindset is not only beneficial for that production as well, but I think that for the longevity of my career and other people who share that mentality, it'll it'll withstand the test of time because I think the old model of like that director just coming in and just being like, I'm just doing this and having this huge crew of like inefficiency is is somewhat going away. Like if you're not doing it already, you're not going to do it. Yeah. You're not bringing in more people to do that. If you're Jonas Ackerlin and it's like done commercials, million dollar commercials for 10 years, yeah, you're going <laughs> to keep doing that, of course. Yeah. But like they're not going to bring in new guys to do that really. It's like all this new sort of like hyphenate. Yeah. lean and mean kind of productions you know so it's like if i can harness my skill at that then great and i feel like it's just better anyways so totally i'm happy doing it totally totally uh so do you one thing we like to do on the show is kind of give back you know we have a lot of listeners that like frank was saying aren't at your level exactly yet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you have any somebody that's maybe on the same path as you you know an avid traveler that likes to direct an edit maybe he's shooting his own things right now but wants to get to where you're at directing big budget stuff any pieces of advice for somebody, say they're in their, you know, 20s along the mm-hmm. way coming up, what should they do? What, you know, any? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I do get asked that a lot. I mean, I think people people hit me up like, oh, like, how can I be a director? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I think for me, you know, my only course, my only advice is sort of based off what I did. And, and that's basically just making as much stuff as you can. I, I always felt that, 
you know, if I if I want to be a director that that works, I'm going to eventually get good. I can't be so precious with the first thing that I make to, for it to be good because the second thing I make is going to be a little better than that and the third thing and so on and so forth. So I'm a, a huge advocate of just going out and shooting anything, like literally learning how to cut together seamlessly someone walking into their living room and sitting down and picking up a book. Like if you're shooting that on an iPhone, you bring it into your editing system and you cut it together and you're like, oh, this works. Like that's a start and you're learning something. You know what I mean? So mm. I just think it's really important to just actually make stuff and get better as you go. From there, like to break in, it's so random. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I've asked a million directors, you know, like, how did you break in and what, what did you do? And like, out of all the people I've asked, there wasn't one like common thread or, or like oh. similar story. It's all so random. But the only thing that I could draw a conclusion of is like, just keep doing stuff and keep making good shit. And then at some point, someone's going to pay you to do it. You would hope, you know? Totally. I think it is a very basic sense, going back to, you know, what we were originally talking about when you came on, uh, work ethic. If you can Mm -hmm. develop that work ethic and that mindset of just keep going, keep pushing, keep creating, a lot of people get easily burnt out in this industry, especially early on. It's tough to make it over that hump. So, yeah, just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that that hump always occurs. I, I like to draw the similarities in between... You know, someone who's like just about to pick up a camera, me and my career where I'm in now, and then like looking at the at the at the goat, like Steven Spielberg, you know what I mean? Like the guy who's at the top, you know, so like I'm trying to break into long form. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to make a feature. I don't know how to like get funding for a feature. It's like I've amassed knowledge to that end, but like I haven't done it before. And I'm like trying to break into that, right? So you look at someone who's like thinking about picking up a camera. They're like, I don't know how to direct. I don't know how to make uh, anything. I'm just thinking about picking up a camera and like wondering what my next step is going to be. And then you look at someone like Steven Spielberg and granted, he can just go make a movie, but he's still concerned with like, well, I want it to be good. Like, what if I do something that nobody likes? Or like, what if I, I, you know, like what, what is my next move that, that are going to satisfy my fans? Like he still has pressure to do something because he is has such a strong history he's got to figure it out he's got to make the right decisions for him to get to that next step whatever his next movie is so i like to look at that and like think that it's all this we're, it's all the same you know what i mean we're all just trying to figure out our next step we're just at different places along this axis you know mm. so i think people think that like i'm doing something super different because of where my, i am in my career but i'm like i'm still just picking up a camera and like trying to figure out what the coolest shot is you know what i mean <laughs> Totally. Yeah, it totally bugs me when I hear someone who uh, is in film school or has gone to film school, and they're like, they're in their second year, and like, so what have you shot? Like, oh, I haven't even picked up a camera yet. Like, like not even personally, like outside of school assignments. Yeah. Like, no, it's like get okay. started, <laughs> get started now. Yeah, yeah, you you just have to. You're just like, how are you going to learn unless you're you're actually going out and doing it? You know? Yeah. Don't be forced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the the time you start getting forced is the time you stop enjoying it. So. Yeah, absolutely. So Spielberg, uh, I'm assuming you like like his movies. Like, uh, what uh, what type of movies do you like to watch? Um, I, I, I mean, obviously, I love Spielberg. You know, um, to answer your question, it, it's I don't know. I, you know, I don't, I don't really have a specific thing. Uh, you know, I just love great stories with interesting characters and stuff that's told well. Obviously, um, I, I, I think I have a love for all cinema. I don't think there's, there's anything that I don't really... This, okay, so I'll well, put it this way. 
uh, I think there's something I can learn and understand from watching all types of films, you know? Totally. So, so that I appreciate. And even if it's like a story that I'm, you know, not necessarily into, it's like I'm so immersed, or at least I try to be so immersed in, in that world. It's like I can learn something from, from sure. anything. So I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy watching all cinema for sure. You can even learn what doesn't work. I think that's it. Oh, absolutely. And that's almost more, more important. Yeah. That's absolutely. That's almost more important. And, and it, the thing that drives me crazy is when I, I don't like movies and I don't know why. <laughs> that, like, that annoys the hell out of me and also, like, scares me because I'm, like, I'm terrified of, like, directing something and, like, thinking it's good and then it just being garbage and, like, in an untangible way. And you're like, ah, oh, what happened? You know what I mean? Have you, so, ever, have you ever watched mm-hmm. those uh, YouTube videos, Everything Wrong With? Oh, I don't think so. Is that a series? It, yeah, it's it's a, a YouTube channel called Cinema Sins. Uh-huh. They have like everything wrong with Jurassic Park. Everything wrong with. Oh um, yeah, I, I have se- I have seen a couple of those. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. kind of goes along with what, like. There's a lot of movies like I don't understand. Like I don't like it, but I don't know why. And then I watch something like that. And I'm like, oh yes, they break it down. That's yeah, why. Totally. I don't like yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and, and I'll usually I I, I I analyze things so much. I'll sit and I'll just think of like why I don't why something would just fell short or like why it totally was wrong mm. and um yeah and it, and it scares me because if i can identify it i'm worried that i'm liable to do it <laughs> so that <laughs> scares me you know totally totally well I, always having that uh studious mindset is is good yeah yeah it definitely helps and like i'm just p- trying to position myself to not be a failure is <laughs> really <laughs> is really my goal <laughs> well i don't think as of yet man you, you seem to be killing it and we really really appreciate having you on the podcast Oh, cool! Thank you, where, thank you. Yeah, and, and, and Cole, like, where can we find? Where can uh, the listeners find you? Learn out more. Uh, learn more about what you do. Uh, the, you know, so my website, which is my name, colewallister.com, is a great way to be familiar with my work. But then my other like lifestyle fun stuff. I mean, I have a YouTube, which is my same name, uh, YouTube.com/slash/colewallister, and on Instagram, same deal, Instagram.com/slash/colewallister. I'm pretty active on Instagram. As I said, I'm trying to push my socials, so that's like a fun place to come chat. And I'm always down to like check out other people's work and see what people are doing. I think it's really cool. Social media is really cool where you can meet people that you otherwise would never meet. Um, so I, totally. and, and for me, have, being someone that didn't go through film school, I learned by like talking to others and like watching other people and asking them questions. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I'm always down to just sort of see what other people are doing out there, which is a cool part of social media these days. Totally. I just followed you on Instagram, and I think all of our listeners should as well. Yeah. Oh, cool. Right on. You got right some on. good I stuff, will. man. Yeah. Yeah, oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> your last name's W-A-L-L-I-S-E-R. Oh, yeah, I should definitely spell it. C-O-L-E-W-A-L-L-I-S-E-R. Cole Walliser. There you go. And uh, next time we're in L.A., we'll have to hit you up for some, for some of that uh, bourbon you have. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> At being 63.7%, I don't think this is going to go quickly. So if no. you guys are here in town, like, let me know, and we'll pour up a couple glasses. Sounds like a plan, dude. Well, Cole, thank you so much, all of our listeners. Go check him out, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on soon. Oh, I'd love it. Oh, thanks, buddy. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Cheers, guys. Cool. Dude, he was awesome. Yeah. Awesome guest. He's got some great work. The beauty stuff's cool, like the big names, Katy Perry, Pink. Yep. But just mindset. Yeah. Love talking to him. Yeah. My God. Good find. Or good good setting that up, Frank. Good job. <laughs> Pat, pats on the back. Firm handshakes. Yeah. So uh, review-wise, we have um, 
we have a few new reviews. Sure. I actually found out that uh, so when you look at iTunes and you look at your reviews, you're only seeing the country that your iTunes is set up under. No. So we are only seeing the U.S. reviews. So there's like Chinese reviews. There's and... all kinds of other reviews out there. We probably hit a hundred reviews before we actually knew we hit. How do you get 100. like the full list? You got to go and um, like change these like letter uh, country code stop things it. in the address bar to see them and like there's a limit to how much you can see so who, who knows like what else is out there there like, could be only... millions yeah probably we could have we probably have 30 million reviews yeah we're a 15 star podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible well god so, you little sleuth <laughs> so uh we found uh we found a few from canada which is fitting because uh cole is from canada uh this first one's called best filmmaker podcast by Brody uh, McMaster. Brody McMaster. Thank you. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> <laughs> at reading? At reading, yes. <laughs> an entertaining an entertaining as well as educational podcast. Simple and sweet. Short, to the point, and accurate, I yep. would say. Yeah. And these are five star reviews, by the way. Oh uh, yeah, we don't read anything that's not a five star. Yeah. It's a good thing they're all five stars. Yep. <laughs> uh next one is by Caribou Pacino, which is a dope name. Uh, great host, fantastic filmmaking podcast. That's the title. Found and this host pod- is singular there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are one. We are the collective host. Uh, found this podcast and it really helped out pushing the limits of my filmmaking. Lots of knowledge and plenty of tips and tricks, plus insight on the film industry. Bonus, bourbon is involved. Cheers. There you go. That's all we try to do yep. is be entertaining, but then also provide little bits of info. Tips, tricks, what have you. And bits of bourbon. And bits of bourbon. Pieces of bourbon. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, we got some good stuff coming up. We do. Yeah, we got a good two more great guests. So yeah. stay tuned. Yeah, this is first of uh, three today. Absolutely. But, uh, you'll have already heard one of them last episode. Cool. All right, dude. Cheers. Cheers. This podcast is produced by Frank Steele and recorded live at Gwyn Sound Studio. Find out more at gwynsound.com.